we as a church here, um, it, it is our goal to replicate New Testament Christianity. Uh, we don't want to replicate any one particular church, but the principles that are taught within the New Testament, we want to be that those people, that church. Uh, we call that restoration. Uh, we want to be the original church that Jesus built, that he desired to bring into this world, to, to be his kingdom, where uh, we live out his point of contact with people who are still lost and who are still in the world. Um, that restoration in form has been completed. We, we do the things that the Bible tells us to do. Uh, we sing, we pray, we give, we commune. Um, the, the form has been restored, but there's still work, I believe, to do. It's an ongoing work in, in terms of function, how we uh, conform our lives into the image of Jesus. That's continually a challenge to us. There's continual changes and shifts that we need to make in our thinking or in our conduct to help bring into conformity our life with the life of Jesus. I remember as a child, we used to have, you remember tracing paper? Uh, you know, you'd have a little book and there would be a, a, a picture and then there would be a, one of those tracing papers that you could fold over top of it and, and you would you could see through it and, and you would try to follow the lines of what was under it and then it looked like you drew a really neat picture, you know, because you, you, you lined up with the real picture. That's the goal of a Christian. It really is that simple. What my job is as a child of God is to try to line my life up with the life of Jesus. Now, I don't always do that perfectly. Uh, sometimes I've got a few wiggles where, where I shouldn't. But here, here's the point. When you look at my life as a whole, can you tell that I've tried to conform it to the life of Jesus? No one's perfect. But when people look at your life, surely they see an effort at conformity an effort at being a replication of Jesus Christ. That, that's what we want to accomplish as a church. This series that we began a few weeks ago is entitled Disciple Shift. Um, and the emphasis is on that last part, shift. There may be some shifts in our thinking or in our action that are required to make us come more in conformity with Jesus. This morning's lesson in particular is the importance of our citizenship or citizenship. Citizenship is a really important deal. Are you not proud to be an American? Are you not proud to have uh, the United States of America? I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I feel that kind of pride, and I think that most of us feel that. I mean, I, I'm going to say some things today that, that I don't want you to take in any way that says or would suggest that I'm not interested in the United States. All I am is a basher. I don't appreciate the freedoms that I have and all that kind of thing. Man, I do. As I've said before, I am very nationalistic. I, I have a strong sense of pride in America. And, you know, when when uh, the national anthem is sung, yeah, I, I get misty-eyed sometimes and, and uh, it, all those things. It's heart-touching to me. I love my country. 
But as much as I love my country, there's a greater citizenship that I have, that I enjoy, that puts my citizenship here, well, to shame. They're not on an equal par at all. All. Most of us, I think, would, um, des- well, most of the world desires to live in this country. Most of the world would desire to give anything, and they do. They often give their lives in an effort just to be able to be here and to live and to have the freedoms and the blessings that we experience and that we take for granted. So I understand how great my citizenship is, but also understand there's a greater citizenship. And if you have your Bible, open it to Philippians chapter 3, verses 20, uh, 17 through 21. I want us to read this passage and, and talk a little bit about uh, Philippi. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 17. Brethren, join me in following my example, and note that those who so walk as you have, uh, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. When Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, there's a unique phenomenon that exists there. Because Philippi was a city in Macedonia, but it was also a Roman colony, which gave those people rights to Roman citizenship. They had a dual citizenship. They, had, they were citizens of Philippi and Macedonia, but they were also Roman citizens. And that's a big deal. Roman citizenship entitled people to some uh, benefits, some perks that you would have wanted to have had. It would have made a lot of people, and a lot of people did, spend their lives and uh, trying to, to gain access to Roman citizenship. It could be purchased at that time if you weren't born into it. Uh, it could be purchased. And people would save and, and just because of the rights of citizenship. Some of the advantages, well, they had the right to vote. If you were a Roman citizen, you had some say in government. Not only did you have a right, right to vote, but you also had a right to hold office. You yourself could be uh, one of the movers in in uh, the political realm. You, you were free from certain taxes that other people had to pay, but you didn't have to pay it because you were a citizen of Rome. I think we could all appreciate that and understand the benefit of not having to pay taxes. That's a good thing. Um, you couldn't be beaten. If you were arrested... Um, oftentimes what they would just do, you know, they'd grab you, they'd rescue you, you were in a crowd of people, and they'd beat you and, and send you off. They weren't real big on prisons back then. Oftentimes it was death penalty if it was bad enough, or it's restitution. 
and maybe you'd have to sell yourself into slavery to pay a person back. But uh, and sometimes it was just the the beatings that took place. If you were a Roman citizen, they couldn't take you and beat you. You'd say, "I'm a Roman citizenship," and you would have your little diptych or passport, so to speak, and and show them that and say, "See, you can't touch me. I'm I'm a Roman citizen." It it enabled you to to have a right to have a trial and uh, to appeal to Caesar, as Paul did in, in the Bible. Also, it if you were found guilty of a, a capital crime, because you were a Roman citizen, you had the right not to be put to death in a cruel, slow, painful, torturous way. Um, it was often the case that they would take people who were criminals guilty of capital crime, they'd crucify them, hang them for display. Can you imagine how agonizing that would be, the days sometimes that went on until the person finally died? If you were a Roman citizen, none of that was going to happen to you. You were entitled to a swift death where an executioner would take care of you in a good way so you didn't have to suffer. So those are just some of the things, but citizenship had its benefits. People wanted to be Roman citizens. And so when the Apostle Paul is talking to the Philippians, he's talking to people who have, hey, they know what citizenship is all about. They, they have dual citizenship, and they are privileged to have Roman citizenship. Well, let me tell you something. Whatever they had that Rome could give them, I think we in the United States far surpass it. We are citizens of the United States of America. We have freedoms like no other people have. We have blessings and entitlements that nobody else has. So, you know, when I'm talking about citizenship today, I'm talking to people who, who have it and have it well, have it good. All right? Well, let's see. Is there any shift that needs to take place with reference to citizenship, I believe there is. And part of it is because we have it so good here that we maybe have forgotten our heavenly citizenship and what it means. You know, in Philippi, in the, the Philippi one of their problems is, well, we'll get to that in just a minute, but I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's look at one shift that, that we may need to make, and that is a shift in our loyalty. Are you proud to be an American? Are you proud of your earthly citizenship? Like I said, I am. When, when we went to um, Honduras, those who went to Honduras will remember a guy by the name of Wilmer. Wilmer was kind of a funny guy in a lot of ways, but he was so interested in the United States he would come to you and, and just say, tell me about what it's like. Tell me about how, how big is the United States? And, you know, when you say, well, it's like 3,000 miles wide. And, um, you, you know, if you got in a car and started driving, it'd take two or three days, you know, driving all day. And, uh, I mean, he just, it's hard to comprehend. Now, it may take two or three days for them to cross Honduras too, but for different reasons. But, you know, to, to talk about the size. And he said, well, you know, is it cold? 
And I said, well, it depends on where you want to be. I mean, it's, it's freezing cold in some places and it's hot in others. It's rainy in some, there's desert lands, there's, you know, and the diversity, it's big enough to have such diversity. It just kind of boggled his mind. And you talk about the rights and what you own and you live in houses and, and all the, the plumbing issues and just things like that. Wilmer wanted so badly, just, I, I just want to come and see it someday. I, I know I'll never live there, but I just want to see it. Um, we have so many blessings being Americans and, and we take great pride in it. But as great as our blessings are here being Americans, maybe we need to shift our focus and our loyalty to our heavenly citizenship. When's the last time you've talked about it? When's the last time you have marveled over the blessings that are in Christ that belong to you because you're in Jesus? You know, Brad, just when he got up here and talked about uh, the Lord's Supper, one of the things he was talking about is just what did Jesus do for us on the cross? Have you stopped to consider what it is that you have because you're a citizen in the kingdom of God? You're a citizen of heaven. Man, I'm eager to talk to people about my nation and, and I gladly tell them what it's like and I'm proud to tell them what it's like and I wish others could experience it. Do I have the same loyalty the same zeal, the same eagerness to talk to people about heaven. I have a citizenship way better than what I have here. Do I talk about it as much as I do what I have here? We, we need to be more loyal and more aware of the blessings that we have and, and not so tied to this citizenship. I know we're physical beings, we're temporal, we live here, but listen... If our focus is just about what's happening today and tomorrow, and we don't see heaven in our day-to-day routine, we need to make a shift in our citizenship. I see, and I listen, and this is where I'm not knocking any of these things. And I'm not knocking a person talking about these things. So understand what I'm saying. I'm making a contrast because I can see and I can hear people talk about and get riled about gun control. And boy, they, they feel strongly about that and they have things to say about that and, and, and they're very adamant about that. And that's fine. Be that way. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's good that we have those kind of rights. I, I see people talk about health care. And, and healthcare reform and man, strong feelings both ways. And we get so riled up and caught up in that. And we have such strong opinions about that. And we're, we're, we're vocal about it. And immigration, what, what are we going to do? You know, do we let people just come into the country illegally? What do we do with them when they do? And, and man, they're again, strong vocal, uh, feelings that are expressed on those things. Public education. What about vouchers and so forth? All kind of thoughts. Like I said, nothing wrong with any of those things. That's all part of being citizens of the United States of America. Those are the, the items on the table for discussion. But do we discuss those things to the exclusion of things concerning our, our heavenly citizenship?
Do I spend all my energy, all my focus, all my loyalty involved in making things right here, and, and I give no thought to making things and having things and promoting things that are right there? I love my nation. I love my country. But there are better things. I wish we'd get our loyalties shifted just a little bit. I, I wish that we would spend as much time promoting Jesus as we do our political candidate. I wish we'd spend as much time promoting Jesus as we do our political parties, the platforms of those parties. I wish we would spend more time talking about Jesus than all those social issues that come come up that are really matters of opinion. That would help to clarify our loyalties. If a person were to come and to observe who knows nothing of us and they see what we talk about, what we get excited about, what we, we get animated about, what do they see? What would they think is the most important thing to you? Which citizenship would they think you value the more, the greater? Your citizenship here or your citizenship in heaven? Maybe we need to make a shift in our loyalty. Let me give you another area. Maybe we need to shift um, in our focus. Do you need to give more attention to heaven than you've given in the past? Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see some things that just are connected to uh, you know, our focus in Hebrews 11, Abraham did some great things, and there's a causal relationship to the great acts that he did and the way he thought. And when you look at chapter 11 and verse 10, it says, you know, verse 9, here's what he did. Verse 10, for or because he waited for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Why did Abraham do What enabled him to do the great things that he did? He wanted to go to heaven. And that focus was what encouraged him, enabled him to do the hard things that he was called to do. Keep reading. Look at verse 13. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They didn't view their citizenship here as a priority. Their focus was elsewhere. Well, where was their focus? For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they'd come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These people that overcame that we call great men and women of faith, the reason they did is because they said, I want to go to heaven. I don't want anything getting in the way of heaven. Man, I long for that city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want to take part in that heavenly city. You can have this world. Consider me a stranger. Consider me just a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I'm on my way to heaven. Their focus was on their heavenly citizenship. We need to shift to that if that's not where our focus is today. 
Philippians 3 and verse 19, at the very end of that passage, he said he listed some of the things they were caught up in. And there were things that uh, they should, you know, they were worldly things. Um, in Philippians 3 verse 19, well, verse 18, he said, um, well, verse 19, their God is their belly. In other words, they live for satisfaction. They live for fleshly delights, you know, uh, fulfillment. Their, their glory is in their shame. What if the only thing you can brag about are the things that are shameful? Isn't that awful? You know, the, that, that's, there's nothing here. The, their glory is in their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. Does that sound like us? Are some of the things that we would glory about in our culture uh, things that we ought to be ashamed about? I mean, just last week, we had a ruling in the Supreme Court that said federal government's not going to recognize the, the DOMA Act. We're, we're going to recognize homosexual marriage from states that, that permit it. And great celebration took place. In Washington, D.C., churches were ringing their church bells in praise of this, this monumental decision. Their glory is in their shame. Their God is their belly, living just for the day, living for fulfillment. They focus on things of this earth. Does that not sound like us? We need to shift our focus if it does. We need to focus on the fact, and that's what Paul calls them back to reality in Philippians by saying, listen, here are these people, and they're headed headlong to destruction because of these attitudes. He said, hey, remember, our citizenship is in heaven. We need to be reminded that. We live in a society that has a lot of, lot of benefits being citizens of the United States. Don't get so caught up in that you forget your citizenship's in heaven. Um, <clears throat> Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 reminds us, you know, seek things that are above and set your mind on those things. Um, that's, that's where we need to be thinking about heaven more than just this earth. And then there may need to be a shift in our security. No, nobody likes to go through life insecure. Nobody likes to wonder from day to day what's going to happen next but I think that maybe we need to shift our thinking concerning our security. Because our security doesn't and isn't contingent upon the success of any earthly government. Our security is rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in heaven and our citizenship there. Our culture, our society, our government, may become as corrupt as any government has ever become. And it's no reason to lose hope. It's no reason to, to be despair because our citizenship is in a perfect kingdom with a perfect king who will never let us down. I know sometimes we get a little worried and anxiety and uptight about things that were, you know, here we got our government supports abortion, uh, killing of babies, and we have homosexual marriage on the plate right now, that agenda, and uh, we can just go on down the line of things that our government's doing. No alcohol was sold. You had to go to someplace else to, to get it. 
and it was that way forever, but not without these every two-year battles, re-elections. And um, the last election, uh, while we lived up there, they finally overturned it, introduced alcohol and so forth in, in the community. But people were so distraught. Members had worked so hard, and they felt so distraught, so defeated, and so what I got up and said the Sunday following that, that final defeat is reevaluate what has changed. We still serve a risen Savior. The, the abuse of alcohol is still wrong. The world is still the world. Our mission hasn't changed one bit. We're to proclaim the gospel of Christ to those who are lost and dying. And and that was what it was before the vote. And that was what it was after the vote. The world is and always has been the world. And, And the church and godly people have always lived with some form of antagonism from the world. Jesus said it would happen. They hated me. They're going to hate you as well. And there are times in, in the history of man where the antagonism maybe ebbs and doesn't, you know, you know, wave up real big. But maybe we're due for one of those times. What changes? I'm still a child of God. My allegiance is to him. I may lose my life. I may have freedoms impugned, uh, impeded upon. But my citizenship in the kingdom of God can't be touched by what the world does. Read the book of Revelation. You look at those Christians who were living in as adversarial a role the government has ever taken against children of God. And it was a message of hope, not despair. It was a message of whatever they do to you, it's not final. They can't hurt you. They can't touch you because God will raise you up. Those people that Rome beheaded and crucified and killed and, and, and all those martyrs who died because of their faith in Jesus. You go to Revelation chapter 20 and boy, it sure looks like they're dead on this side of eternity. But on the other side of eternity, they're reigning with Jesus. They weren't defeated at all. The world looks like they defeated them, but from God's point, from heaven's point of view, they're victorious. I want to live in a society that honors Jesus, but I've come to recognize that to a degree larger than I would like, that's probably an unreasonable expectation. Why would the world follow Jesus? It doesn't. And so we're going to have these kind of rulings that, that don't honor God, they don't honor Jesus, they don't honor morality, they don't honor the Bible, but it has no impact whatsoever on my citizenship in heaven. And so I can take joy in that. And I can continue day by day, before and after Supreme Court decisions, nothing has changed with respect to my mission. My mission is to teach the gospel of Christ and to represent Jesus on earth. And I can do that in a godly society. And I can do that in a godless society. I can tell you my preference. But wherever I may find myself, it doesn't matter. Christianity doesn't hinge 
on my surroundings, on my culture, on my society. It can thrive anywhere because of the power of Christ. So our security is not in government, not in the military, not in Social Security or any other entitlements that there are. Our security is rooted, well, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. The firm foundation of God stands. It'll never be destroyed. It'll never be toppled. It stands. And in that, I can find security. I hope that as we talk about these things this morning, that we learn to take joy, enjoy being a citizen of this great nation. We have so many blessings that others would love to have. Don't take them for granted. Use them for the cause of Christ. But if you're proud to be a citizen of the United States, if that makes you happy, then how much more happy and joyful should you be to be a citizen of a heavenly kingdom whose king is Jesus, who never makes a mistake, who leads us perfectly? Think of the benefits that you have. If you're not yet a child of God, a citizen of heaven, why don't you make the decision to uh, place your membership in that citizenship? You don't have to buy it like in the days of Rome. You just have to obey the gospel. Surrender your life to Jesus and he welcomes you in as a citizen. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that this morning. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make your life right, repent. Turn back to him. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you. If you need to respond, won't you come as we stand together and sing?